So hi, listeners. Welcome back to the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder. I am thrilled to be able to introduce you today to Marguerite Adzik. She is the CEO and founder of Addison Bay. She's going to talk all about the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, what her journey has been like, and where she is going from here since she is always pushing the envelope on what's possible. So I know you are going to love to hear her authentic story and journey. Um, Welcome, Marguerite. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. So let's dig in. How did you decide it was the right time to start Addison Bay? Because you had a job that you loved with Lily Pulitzer and you were six months pregnant with your first child. I mean, what in the world were you thinking? (laughs) What what was I thinking? I actually look back at at, at, that decision-making sometimes. I'm like, what the heck? Um, no, I, I had such a wonderful experience and journey at Lily Bolter. I was there um, for a while. It was my first job out of college and I stayed and um, worked my way up into a really nice role on the marketing team and absolutely loved it. Um, but I, I did have the entrepreneurial itch. Um, I had some ideas. You can ask my husband. I had some bad ideas too. <laughs> um, but this one definitely stuck out and I, I could tell that there was some traction um, I was pregnant with my daughter at the time, but I, we were living in center city, Philadelphia, right in Rittenhouse square, if anyone's familiar. And we went to this amazing, fabulous, super chic restaurant on New Year's day of, uh, 2018 and went in there and everyone's clinking champagne and cheersing the new year and, um, celebrating. And I looked around and nine out of 10 women were wearing leggings and I was like, wow, there, this is like a light bulb moment. Like there, this is a movement. And I was definitely thinking about it for a little bit, but you know, I was four-ish months pregnant at the time. And, um, I, I knew that there was some traction there and I knew if I didn't do it, then I would never do it. Uh, so I resigned a month later in February of 2018, made the big jump and, um, dove right in and started the company when I was six months pregnant. So it's very real. Transactionally, we started the company when my daughter, Andy, was three months old. So we, we um, opened up our doors, um, aka.com, uh, September 2018, and, and really never looked back. And I still like look at myself and laugh sometimes, but I, I really don't think I would have ever done it. Or even worse, someone else would have done it. And I would have always been kicking myself. So I had to go for it. And I'm so, so, so pleased that I did. Yeah, good for you. I mean, even though there are so many, as we said in the opening, you know, highs and lows, um, I've never really come across an entrepreneur that says, yeah, I regret going after what my intuition was telling me. Exactly. If you think about it. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you're thinking about an idea for a while and you can't stop thinking about it, clearly there's something there. So you got to follow that gut. Again, I had some really bad ideas too. So you can talk to my husband offline about that. But um, no, this one definitely stuck out and was something I was thinking about for a while and didn't feel like I had the bandwidth to do it for whatever reason um, at the time. And then somehow when I was four months pregnant and you know, uh, kind of at the stage of my life, I was like, this is the time I'm going to go for it. I'm going to write that business plan, pitch the idea and, and make the jump. So pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so what was the opportunity that you really noticed? Because... Obviously, it was a time when boutique fitness was becoming hot. And, you know, did you really see that athleisure was going to be this 
you know, wardrobe staple. Obviously, no one saw the pandemic coming, but that clearly was probably a benefit, right, um, for the company as well. So what was kind of the market opportunity that you saw for Addison Bay? Yeah, just the market opportunity was being a consumer myself and just walking around the streets in Center City, Philadelphia and seeing women in leggings and kind of more fashion forward activewear options um, 24-7. And I knew that she wasn't coming from or going to the gym. So I knew that she was just wearing this as her 24-7 wardrobe staple. And from there, as a consumer myself, that's how I was dressing. And I felt like it was really hard to find these elevated options that could take you from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I thought, there's a hole in the market. This is only going to get bigger. Um, and I gotta, I gotta figure something out here. So that that's really where the opportunity came from is really being a consumer myself and seeing it quite literally on the streets in super chic restaurants everywhere and looking for it myself, not being able to find it and wanting to fill that hole myself. I love that. So, um, who right now do you see as your main competitors and how do you continue to differentiate yourself from those. Something I hear from female entrepreneurs all the time is they may see the opportunity, they think they have an opportunity, but then the moment they begin to think about the existence of a competitor, that's when they kind of lean back out. So how did you fight kind of that, you know, thought process or that hesitation if it came up for you? And then, um, you know, how do you continue to um, compete with or differentiate yourself from anybody else in the market? Yeah, no, I think activewear is very crowded and noisy right now um, in the industry. And I think there's room for everybody. Like as long as you differentiate yourself, there's room for everybody to play together in the playground. And that's that's kind of the analogy that I always say. Um, as long as you differentiate, differentiate, differentiate. It's part one of our core values. And how we differentiate it, I believe that our activewear is elevated activewear that can be worn from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And truly, we're standing out in a sea of the same of some of these activewear brands. Some are more high performance. Some are more lounge. Some use the word athleisure. We truly use the word elevated activewear because I feel like you can wear it from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I use myself as a consumer example all the time. Um, I have two kids. So my mornings are, I call it the morning marathon of just like getting them up, dressed, breakfast, out the door for school, uh, you know, all, all, all the above. Um, and then I'm at work from 8.30 to 5.30 every single day, wanting to look elevated, put together, polish in front of my team, in front, you know, all, all the above. And then I'm back home playing with my kids on the floor at 6 p.m. So my day spans between, you know, some kid time, some wrangling, um, a few marathons in there. And, but the bottom line is I need to be comfortable. I need to be functional to be able to kind of have all, do all of these things. But I want to look good. Like I want to feel polished. I want to look elevated. And that's exactly what the problem that I was trying to solve with Addison Bay and the brand core and ethos that we've always stuck to. So it really is truly the foundation of the company. It's plastered on the wall in our office and we look at it every single day and um, creating elevated activewear and sticking to what we're good at and how we've differentiated ourselves, I think has helped us stand out a ton. But again, there's room for everybody. So I think if people are worried about competitors, just find your way that you're kind of carving out your own space in the market and then go down that path and drive down that path. I went down that path, put the blinders on and and I really have not looked back and I'm laser focused on myself like the, and my company. That, that is my goal and that's my focus. So that, that's really how we navigate competitors and 
all the crowd crowds and the noise that we see out there that that's really how we um, navigate all of that. I love that. I mean, there's so much to unpack from what you just said, but it reminds me of Michael Phelps always talking about the fact that he swims in black goggles so that he can't see anyone to the left or to the right of him. And so if he's always giving his best effort, that's all he can ask of himself. And um, it sounds very much the same about what you're doing um, within your company is continuing to do the very best for Addison that you possibly can without worrying about what anyone else is doing. Are there any practices that you could kind of, or tips you could give our female entrepreneurs? Because it sounds like, A, they should all be wearing Addison Bay all day, every day, because that is exactly our lives as well, right? That's the modern female entrepreneur, isn't it? It's like, you know, that's what our real life looks like today is, you know, managing two kids, I do too, um, and then heading into the office, and then you're coming home and you're taking them to eight different practices and, you know, spilling coffee in your lap and all the rest and you need to keep going. So I love that you've built this for what I view is, is really the modern working woman. If we're totally honest about it, she's not wearing a suit. She's wearing Addison Bay leggings. Um, We actually call it the modern wardrobe for the modern woman. Like we've just modernized what the modern woman does so much. And now we finally modernized her wardrobe too. Um, so that, that's really one of our kind of uh, strategies within the company is the modern wardrobe for the modern woman. We're keeping up with her and we're like constantly listening to the consumer and what she's doing. Working mom, stay-at-home mom, all women in general, we're a multi-generational brand. So truly, I think at every stage in life, every single decade, all of our gals are multitasking on the go women and they have a ton on their plate, whether they're college students my 71-year-old mom who wears her stuff all the time, playing with her grandkids, going to you know various social events, all spanned in between. Um, certainly, mom life is a little wild, but truly, I, I feel every decade and all women are the best multitaskers. So we're really giving her the modern wardrobe to keep up with her active lifestyle. So any tips you can give our female entrepreneurs who are trying to kind of carve out the space the headspace for themselves, especially as CEOs, which so many of the women listening are, they're running their own businesses. Um, and one common thing that I hear from them is I'm exhausted, right? And <laughs> let's be honest. Um, and some days I'm just frustrated. So, you know, are there any kind of consistent things that you have in your routine that help you, you know, attack that those feelings or avoid them even? Not that anyone can, but potentially. It's so hard. Yeah, I, I feel like I say to my husband sometimes, I feel like the best mom in the world and the best CEO. I'm like, I'm going to be on the cover of Forbes. Like, I've got it. And then the next day, I am the worst mom on the planet and the worst CEO. And I am just horrible at everything. Can't do one thing right. So it's just like, talk about the roller coaster, the high highs and the low lows. So how I navigate that trying to stay as even keel as possible and, and balance both worlds, um, which both mean so much to me. Um, I, I do try to exercise is huge for me. So I do wake up 45 minutes before the rest of my house and get a quick workout in. And if that means 15, 20, like a super, super quick workout, it's really more a mental thing for me than physical. Um, that I just feel like one, I got a little bit of time alone. I know I'm not going to have one single second alone for the rest of the day. And to a really good reset, I'm definitely a morning person. So I am like jazzed for the day after that and ready to conquer the morning marathon. 
um, work and all the, the crazy challenges that will come um, with all the fun entrepreneurial things. And then just, just the rest of the day of just chaos. So that, that is like kind of a mental thing that has helped me so much. I don't take as much time for myself as I possibly should. So I feel like I can't even like suggest that, but I think 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning, quick workout or even a quick walk. It's just got so much nicer, like a quick walk in the morning, such a reset, such a good refresher and such a good way to kind of mentally get ready for the day. Yeah. I love that. Um, it sounds to me like another great tip that you're pointing out is know thyself, right? You know, you know what you need and you listen to that and what you need is to have the time in the morning because that is what you value. And, um, everyone, when you pay attention to yourself and your needs, then you're able to perform better during the day for sure. Let's get back to some of the nitty gritty of, of the business. So you did come in to Addison Bay with experience in the fashion industry. How critical do you feel like that was to the success that you've had when launching the company? I think it was just absolutely vital and necessary for me. Um, I had such a fabulous experience at Lily and I'm still really good friends with a lot of people that work there. The reason I thought it was so valuable is I really just learned how to operate and navigate a fashion company. Like truly like how the departments are broke out, broken out, how the departments work together, the pillars of the company, how it's structured, how meetings are structured, what a Monday looks like, like true structure of a company operationally. It was just, it helped me so much. I just can't imagine being able to start a company out at, right out of college. I credit a lot of these fabulous people that do. I just didn't have enough knowledge and I truly believe knowledge is power. And I got all of that information in those few years. I soaked up everything I possibly could, had an awesome experience. And then I was like, I think, I think I can do this. And you know, I, I built my company. We just hired two new people this week. I, I like, I'm just so jazzed to be creating jobs and opportunities at the company. It's very, very special. And just seeing how they fit, how they fit into the company, what department they're in, how, what pillar they are, how they work together. It is. I would have never learned that without my training at Lilly. So I, I absolutely thought it was vital to my journey um, and really credit some of those people that have, didn't have any working experience prior. But um, I see both sides. And to me, yeah, it was just worth it in spades. What? How many people do you have on your team now? We have eight people full-time, about 13 consultants who are very, very um, full-time. <laughs> um and which we've leaned on a ton, which has been awesome. And then fulfillment staff and then staff in our stores. Okay. Um, it's still a relatively small, but mighty team. Yeah. So who was your first hire? So interested. So first hire was on the product team. So she started as more of a buyer when we were more curators. And we can, we can chat about that a bit. Um, and now she's our product manager. She's still here. She just had her first baby. So dealing with all yeah. the things that come with that as a leader of the company, which is so cool to come up with a maternity leave plan, especially among all the conversations happening um, and see her become a mom and see her come back and do working mom life. It's just, it's so, so, so exciting. Um, so she was my very first employee two months before we even launched the company. So really? pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and so now she's our product manager. She's in charge of kind of like all things product design, production, 
um, all the things that come there. So many layers. We wear many, many hats. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a, a takeaway with that. We, we are scrappy and gritty. And what your job title is, is about 17 other things, um, including myself. And that's just the way we roll. Yeah. So what is it that you still do right now that you have sole responsibility for um, within the company? Anything? Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel anything, mostly financial stuff. I have to leave charge there along with my CFO and accountant. But um, I feel like that is still like my baby that I look at all day, every day. And then I think I'm really leading the charge more on the marketing side. So the business development piece of it is still really, I'm leading the charge there. Again, tons of support from tons of people. So I feel like I have my hand in the pot and almost what everybody's doing. Um, but finances and business development are probably like my two biggest time consuming, um, roles. And then along with a million other things, including like janitor and office supply order and all the things. So, um, but we're, we have an awesome, awesome team and everyone is scrappy. If you come to this company, you know, you're wearing 12 different hats, not just one. Are you running your business like a marathon at sprint speed, but never getting anywhere? Take back control of your business with the BRIMS Revenue Accelerator Program and let expert business coach Sally Holder run alongside you each step of the way. Our new program provides you the tools, strategies, and support you need to increase your revenue and create impactful growth. To get started earning more in considerably less time, follow us on Instagram at the BRIM. That's T-H-E underscore B-R-I-M-M. And direct message us revenue to find out if this is the right fit for you and your business. I love that. I mean, so much of what we talk about with regard to scaling is the fact that as the CEO, the more we can get out of the nitty gritty and the day to day and allow the people that we brought on to you know, perform their roles to the best of our ability. We can support them. We can oversee them. But ultimately, it is those two categories most of the time, the finances. And let's be honest, the the development side is really all about the financial growth of the company. And so when you're overseeing those, you're ensuring the massive growth and therefore that everybody else on their team on your team still has a job. And so I always see those as the main two roles of the CEO. And too often we um, see especially female entrepreneurs feel as though they need to stay involved in the nitty-gritty um, and and have trouble letting go of the day-to-day operations. Was that ever an issue for you? Were you ever like, oh, but I still want to design or I still want to be able to, you know, pack each order and I've lost some of that touch or something? Yes. Are you kidding? Like every single role that I've had to give away, I I say like loosen the reins on um, is so difficult because all of these roles are are kind of an extension of me. And like, I did all of them at one point. Um, packing orders is a funny one. Like, I, I mean, we literally hand packed orders, me and my first employee for the first year, 18 months. Um, and giving that, I, we just had a few interns, our summer intern class is so amazing. And they just started this week and they're doing fulfillment. And I'm like, wait, do they know what they're doing? Like, should, should I jump in? Like, it's so hard. Um, I, I really believe in not micromanaging. So I want people to learn. And that's the whole point. 
it's stressful and it's really like hard to release the reins, I guess you could say. So, um, yeah, so the, it, it's so, it's so difficult, but all part of it, all part of the growth. And yeah, it's very exciting. Is there anything I'm curious, is there anything that you've done as you have grown the company to kind of invest in yourself that you've found critical or books that you've read or anything like that? Because so much of the transition into, um, the CEO role too, is about becoming a true leader. Um, which is a really hard role to embody, especially when we have had um, so much more of the involvement in um, the understanding of the product, the niche, the customer, et cetera. So is there anything that um, you have done that you might recommend to people that's really helped with that transition into the true leader role? Yes. Um, okay. So I think multiple things. So well, I always recommend the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I think that's a great book. So oh, Me too. Me too. I yeah. recommend that to everyone. I, I love it. I always put it on. Anytime a new employee starts, I put it on their desk with a note very first day. Like, definitely a big fan of that book. I made my husband read it recently. And like, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. So that, that has definitely been a good one. Um, other things. I love networking with other founders. Like, I truly yeah. just think I get so much out of it even one nugget of information out of it and also just trading war stories, like truly war stories um, is so necessary. And I, you kind of feel I'm a solo founder, so I don't have a co-founder and I feel like I'm like in it with somebody. I'm like, I'm, I'm uh, navigating these waters with somebody. We're doing two different, two clearly different things, whatever the case may be. But I'm like, this person's been through it, whether they're, we're at the same case, a a little ahead, a little behind, whatever the case is. And, that, and it's really fun to trade notes. And I think most entrepreneurs really want to help each other because they're like, we know how low it can be. Um, and again, specifically being a solo founder, I really got to rely on some other founders and network my butt off and get out there and really, you know, just feel a little bit better about some of these lows quite specifically. Um, and that really helps. So those are some things I've done as a founder that I think have been development, developmentally really good for me. Um, and I think with time, I've just gotten a little better at things. Like, I think I'm a better manager than I was four years ago. I, re- I think that has like, probably been one of my biggest um, strengths in the past four years in comparison to when we started. I think operationally, I knew how to kind of structure the company and do all of that. But I think just like experience really helps you grow. And I've, I've learned a lot. I'm very self-reflective and I always want to be better. So, and I, I want my team to always be better as well. So that is something we're constantly working on and um, take seriously. So those are all like kind of pieces that puzzle pieces that have come together, but I'm sure I have a long way to go and I'm sure lots of, lots of growth to come and all, all of the above. I, I love everything that you said because the statistics follow all of what you're advising them to do with regard to networking and, you know, continuing to challenge yourself, right? Our happiness has actually been proven to scientifically be directly connected to our uh, pursuit of growth, individual, personal, professional growth. Um, So I'm always finding it very fascinating that the happiest founders are generally those who are constantly seeking ways to continue to improve themselves. Oh, Um, I love this stat. Yeah. And then, um, so the happiness advantage, Sean Acor is another great book. I always tell people and, and also that women grow their businesses two and a half times faster when they're doing it within a community or a network of other women. And 
that's why being able to surround yourself with other female founders is so important to normalize the experience because it is really easy to think you're crazy, especially (laughs) when you're experiencing some of the uh, war stories, as you said, um, that happen along the way. So is there one particular maybe that stands out that you might be willing to share with us? Because I am dying. I I love a good war story. Oh my gosh. Well, I like to say that I'm like on my resume, I really should be a firefighter because I feel like I'm just putting fires out every single day. I'd say this is a little bit more big picture, but the biggest challenge that we've really come is come to is trying to facilitate the growth of the company, which is pretty substantial, um, and manage the financials behind the growth. And that sounds like a little stale and boring, but I'm trying to grow this thing fairly quickly at a at an appropriate pace, but fairly quickly. And having the capital behind it to do it is very difficult. And I specifically have set up the company. So I want to hold on to as much of the company as possible. I want to own as much as possible. So striking the right balance between raising the right amount of capital and facilitating that growth that I think is appropriate, which is over 100% growth year on year. Um, and <laughs> Just some small, ambitious goals. Small. <laughs> I know, but... And especially in the retail industry, it's a very cash-intensive uh, business model. So putting up that cash far in advance, taking those big bets... It is very difficult and the financials around it, I mean, it really keeps me up at night often. Um, So that has been extremely difficult. uh, But I always, with the problem, I always try to find a solution. And I've leaned a lot on other founders. Like I said, um, my older brother has started two companies and he's really an expert in being a scrappy startup leader. Um, And... I definitely knock on his door often and we have calls multiple days a week. Um, and he, he says, I always call him when the sky is falling, but it really is just, it's good to lean on him a little bit and have transparent conversations along with plenty of other founders who have been there. And the, the 3am wake up because you're worried about the cash flow at your company is very real and very normal. And, um, and I have big projections and big goals, and I'm not I'm not scaling back on that. So for me, the biggest hurdle and challenge daily really is to kind of navigate the capital behind facilitating this huge, huge growth. I am so glad that you said that. You know, for so many reasons. One is that I don't think that we as women talk about numbers nearly enough. Um, it definitely in our um, you know, I work specifically with. Um, about 50 plus female entrepreneurs and scaling their businesses. And that consistently is um, the the most uh, sought after topic of conversation in our chats. Um, and I think too, I love that you are talking about the fact that when you're in a hyper growth phase, that cash flow is tough, that it's hard to manage that, you know, a lot of people associate, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like, you know, this Instagram view of like, oh, well, you're doing really well. And so therefore cash flow must be right. you know, easy and you must be cash rich. And I'm like, we're super cash poor right now because we're in growth mode and everything goes back to the reinvesting in, in the overall growth of the company. And so, um, you know, I've seen a lot of female entrepreneurs lately struggle with that because it requires such capital investments to add new positions and new people in order to get where they want to go. Um, and therefore they feel like they're doing something wrong. And so they're constantly like, I'm this stressed 
And yet everybody thinks I'm doing so well. Totally. So, oh my gosh. I think that all the time we always joke like, and by the way, we, we are onto something and things are going very well. So I'm extremely grateful for that. Yes. But people just are like skyrocketing to the moon and um, yeah. don't know the trials and tribulations behind it, especially it's, it's all based on that growth. We just had a record breaking May and I probably had the most sleepless amount of nights in May that I've ever had. So I'm like, how the heck did I just have an amazing month? And I'm still beyond stress. And it's almost comical how, yes. how the um, connection or divide. Thank you. That's what I want them to hear because it, you, that's the part that makes you feel a little bit crazy, right? Is right. that dichotomy too that exists between what the external world is telling you and then what you internally know what is going on within the business and the you know the struggles to try to keep up with that level of growth and um, you know feeling like you're representing one version of the world and you know something else is going on. That is really, really hard emotionally as a founder to manage that. Um, it triggers that imposter syndrome, which women are more susceptible to than men, um, unfortunately so. Um, and so, uh, you know, I love that you're talking about that because when more of us can say, no, 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 that's just part of the journey. Um, that is a part of the growth process. Then we can hopefully then remove more women from stepping back and wanting to pull back, as you were saying, like, I know what the consequence of pulling back is, and I'm not willing to experience it. Um, a lot of women then pull back and they feel like, oh, maybe I should pull back because everything is not going smoothly. Um, I want them to realize, no, 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 it's, it's not supposed to be smooth. <laughs> it's not going to be smooth. Um, it isn't for anybody, right? Yeah. No, I mean, if it were easy, everyone would do it. So that's yeah. what I kind of jokingly say to myself, but yeah, it, it's almost a comical divide. And the challenges and hurdles are very real and they come up every single day. Truly, I feel like a firefighter putting out all of these um, fires, but it that's what also makes it fun. Every single day is different. And if you can think of it as more of an opportunity than you know a challenge or a problem and spin it into the optimistic view, um, you're having a lot of fun. And when you also, when you solve those problems or if you make something bigger out of these opportunities, that's pretty special too. So there, I, I definitely, I enjoy, I enjoy work. Like I, do, I really don't have Sunday scaries. I come to work every day, really jazzed, stressed. Yes. But jazzed to get things done. And I'm really excited about the people that I work with. And my team is just such a group of hard workers, um, which is why they're hired, but they're hard workers. They're optimistic. They fit into our core values and they're just fun to work with every day. So we're doing something special. We're working together on it. Like how much better does it get? Like we're really enjoying the ride. Yeah. And thank God making a really big impact on what women wear to work. So, which has been very necessary. That's important. Um, So yeah, (laughs) lots of positives out of all the negatives and I always try to have the optimistic view. I do not have it all the time. I'm going to be transparent. So I do have lows and I had one this week and my husband was like, you have 10 minutes snap out of it after that. And I um, did, but it, you, there are lows and I just always like to be transparent about them. Just, I am a very optimistic person and I think you can tell, but I, I there are lows along the ride and they're very real too. So trying to be as transparent in that regard. No, I really appreciate that. So I feel like I would be remiss if I did not ask you about, and you may kill me, but your Instagram strategy is 
amazing. Um, I mean, I want to, I, I probably am one of your ideal customers, I would imagine, but I see your, I feel like the feeling communicated to me as a customer is I see it on everyone. I then am, am served an ad. Like it's just a part of, you know, my day-to-day experience now, wherever I go, which is great. Obviously I've been on your website and all of that. So if you wouldn't mind kind of talk to me, was that, you know, using social media, one of the original marketing strategies that you knew that you would, you would um, hit hard or, I'm just so curious. I've been watching the growth of the brand and just seeing it, like I said, on everyone. And I, I was curious what y'all's marketing strategy was. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I love that. I'm going to um, give some kudos to my marketing team and all of our agencies for um, doing exactly what we're set out to do. So, um, and yes, you are our target consumer. So we're definitely going <laughs> after you for sure. Um, the multitasking gal, but um, yes, no, that was in the business plan actually. So our number one marketing strategy was um, digital advertising, and number two was influencer marketing. So it sounds like you just touched on both. So you're mm-hmm. seeing paid ads um, on Facebook, Instagram, Google, and um, we definitely invest a ton there, uh, specifically in the last year, which I think has really helped facilitate our growth and helped us acquire new consumers, which is by far the most important part. So acquiring new and then retaining our current consumers. Um, so we we do that a lot through our paid ads, our digital advertising agencies, awesome. And then second is influencer marketing. So we, we work with um, a ton of influencers that I believe fit the brand mold, which is the on-the-go multitasking woman. So whatever stage she is in life, truly, wherever she lives, if she fits that mold, she's an AB girl. And we try to um, get as much product into her hands and have it fit into her 24-7 lifestyle or her 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. lifestyle. And that has really been our marketing strategy from day one, those, those two things. And then third, I always allocate a little bit of our budget for testing. So like we got to throw some other lines out in the water and see what bites. So I test, test, test and see what works and what sticks and what doesn't. And a lot doesn't, but the things that do are nice little pops and um, maybe something that we should forge on down that road a little bit and explore further. So, but to this day, that's been our business plan and that's kind of what what we've um, come up with. And we've allocated a lot more um, spend in both of these areas than we did, you know, when we first launched, of course, but um appropriate spend and we have been thrilled with the results. Yeah. Are you working also with an influencer marketing agency? I think I get that question all the time is how are you finding the influencers that you work with? So it's just curious. Um, yeah, we work with a marketing consultant who does a zillion different things for us. And um, someone I worked with at during my Lily days, um, one of my good friends. So she helps me with influencer marketing. She is awesome. Knows a ton of influencers from she she led influencer marketing at Lily for us. Um, we work there together. So she's been really, I would say, the lead on that. I'm also, you know, on Instagram. I'm a consumer. So I feel like I know a certain a few girls that I relate to as an on-the-go working mother and would love to see in Addison Bay. So there's a little bit of um, me kind of infiltrating some of my thoughts in there, but for the most part, she, she leads the charge and she does an awesome job. So I, definitely, I think extending your bandwidth to an extent, um, really does help with that. And she has some nice connections. So that helps too. Um, so I think you can go both routes, but that that's how we've navigated it. Yeah. Great. Um, well, we are almost out of time. I, I hate this because I could keep talking to you forever. Um, so 
Are there any lessons that you have learned along the way that you feel like our audience of female entrepreneurs really needs to know before we go? And then, of course, I want to know what's next for Addison Bank because it is all about growth, I would imagine, which I am thrilled for you and for the company and just another amazing female founder to have massive success. My gosh, thank you. Um, any lessons I've learned along the way? Yes, a million. Um, I think a couple of things. I kind of mentioned this analogy earlier, but I really have learned a little bit more to just believe in myself and focus on myself and put the blinders on um, and just you know, believe in our company and our vision and what we're doing. There is so much noise out there. Instagram's really, really hard sometimes, especially as a founder, you think every single other company is absolutely crushing it. And that is amazing. I want everybody to win. I truly believe that. But it's really hard sometimes when you don't think that you're as good as other people. So I have learned to put the blinders on, focus on myself, my growth, my vision of the company and, um, and, and what I'm good at. And I think that has really helped me as a founder and a leader of the company. And if I hear any chatter or anything within the office, I'm like, guys, let's focus on ourselves. Let's focus on ourselves. I truly believe that we've put our heads down and worked so hard to get where we are. And we have so much further to go. Um, but that really, that blinder analogy is kind of like comical, but you, you ask my team, I say it all the time. Um, cause I, I, I truly believe in it. Um, so that, that's one thing that I've learned along the way. And, um, I just transparently, I really do believe in Addison Bay and I believe in myself and I know we can do this. We have something special now. It was tough for a couple of years, but now, um, I feel a little more confident and, um, I, I know we're in the, we're going the right direction. We're getting somewhere and now we just have so much further to go. So just got to put our heads down, work hard and put the blinders on. Oh, I love that Marguerite. And where say do you see Addison Bay five years from now? Oh my gosh, yes. So, well, some fun things coming up. We're opening our second store in um, September of this year, which oh, so exciting! Um, and it's on the main line in Philadelphia, so kind of in our backyard of where our HQ is. We're in Center City, um, and in terms of long term, five, seven years, whatever that looks like. I, I mean, I have a vision board of a zillion things that I see for the company. Um, definitely opening a few new stores and some key markets that I think are a good fit for our consumer. Um, but really, I'm just about growing my team, growing the brand, growing something that's really special and has a solid foundation. And so far, so good, but we have a long way to go. So I kind of just think we need to work super, super hard, put our heads down and just grow a brand with a solid foundation that really has some life and some legs. I want this to be around forever. I want my daughter to be the CEO of this company someday. So I, I need to, you know, build this thing up and make it something super special. And I think we're on our way, but we've got a long way to go. Oh, I love that answer. I love the fact that the, the thought process of, of leaving it to your daughter and the incorporation of that legacy. Um, so I wish you nothing but the best. I'm um, watching your growth from afar and cheering you on and really thrilled for you. And thank you for being, um, you know, just an amazing, strong-willed female founder. And um, thank you for saying too that you believe in yourself, right? I mean, so much of this journey is about continuing to do that and, um, you know, unabashedly so. So um, 
good for you. And um, thanks for joining us on the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. Um, I know that you guys have a ton of takeaways. Make sure to check out addisonbay.com and obviously visit their new store location in Philadelphia and then follow them on social media. It's where I get the majority of the content from them. So um, thank you for joining us, Marguerite. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Sally. Bye, guys. Bye.